stumbled onto another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life. And this is a very important episode. This is our 52nd episode, one whole year of podcasting. And to celebrate, we're giving away free stuff. First, we're giving away five $25 Amazon gift cards just for being the first five people to hear this and go on the website, getyourfillpodcast.com and giving us a comment, any comment, that tells us your favorite episode and what you like best about it. And you know that's gonna help us to make better episodes in the future. But the grand prize is a $100 Amazon gift card, and that goes to the person who can answer the most podcast-related questions. There are 10 questions in all. If it turns out that lots of people can answer all 10, then the gift card goes to the first person to do the complete questionnaire. But, and this is important, Everyone who enters will win something. I don't care if I have to take out a loan on my house. Every unique entry will get either a copy of the book, which is Empower Your Inner Millionaire, a Get Your Fill mug, a Get Your Fill cap, or a t-shirt from the Reflection Collection, which is really cool. But it'll definitely be something awesome and unbelievable so that when you fill out the questionnaire, make sure you tell us your t-shirt size and whether you prefer a standard sort of men's style tee like my dad used to wear, or a more tailored kind of tee like I would wear. The t-shirts are solid colors and they're meant to be tie-dyed. So you can have like a total acid flashback to the 60s if you're even alive then. <laughs> the only two catches is that you have to be a subscriber. So you, you have to be a subscriber to win and you have to take a selfie with the page that says you won and post it on your social media page and then take a screenshot of that social media page and send that back to me and then I'll send out your prize. Now, is that a lot to ask? It'll take you all of two seconds to do all that stuff. So why am I doing this? Well, first of all, to let you know I appreciate you. I am, I am so grateful that you're here and listening and I love hearing your comments and I wanna keep them coming. I'm also hoping that you want to share that gift giving with your friends and family and then maybe they'll listen and they'll want to come back. Our, my 2020 goal is 2,200, it's 2,020 subscribers. So 2020 goal, 2020 subscribers. And the only way that's going to happen is with your help. So please help. Click subscribe and then ask your friends to do the same. Thank you very much. Wow, that feels great. <laughs> Giving feels great. And that is a big secret of philanthropy. And no one knows that better than our next guest, Arlene Kogan. She is known as the goddess of giving. And she's made it her life's work to make it easier and more financially rewarding to make giving a part of your life. So many of us think we need to postpone philanthropy till we're already millionaires. But I'm telling you, if you give today, you'll start to feel like a million bucks. And that is the first step. Arlene, I'm just going to give you two seconds of her background. She is a certified financial planner, but she, and she began her career on Wall Street. She spent over 20 years in the trust and investment world, helping people grow and preserve their wealth. And during that time, she was vice president for Citibank, Bank of America, and Wells Fargo. Desiring change and wanting to lead by example for her daughters, Arlene moved to Oregon, Portland, Oregon. See, I know how to say Oregon, right? Or you Oregonians, Oregonians. Um, she wanted to help to guide the Oregon Community Foundation, which is the ninth largest community foundation in the country. 
and she did such a great job, her efforts over the next decade resulted in the acquisition of 30 to 40 percent of all giving annually statewide, which is pretty amazing. So please put your hands together and join me in welcoming Arlene Kogan. Arlene, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, yeah, you're right. We do have a lot in common. And especially something that I hardly ever talk about is, you know, the, the big part that philanthropy plays in my life. Um, my, my mentor, as part of my sort of annual report, we had to write down what we wanted our obituaries to say. And one of the things that I wanted mine to say is that I was, you know, generous in my community and that I, you know, supported pro programs and stuff like that. And, and in my thing, it says that I have donated millions to the community. So I have to work on that and make sure to make that obituary a reality so I don't have to live to be 700 years old to fulfill it. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my key things is really taking back the, the term philanthropist because so many people think philanthropist, you have to be a millionaire, a billionaire. And right. when you think of philanthropy as the love of humankind, we're all philanthropists. And what we're talking about as a philanthropist is a tax deduction. <laughs> so let's change that mindset and have everyone be a philanthropist never imagined. Yeah. It's true because you can donate your time, you can donate your energy, you can donate, you know, it doesn't have to be like $6 million. You, anything you give is, is appreciated and it makes you feel good, right? That's the, the secret of philanthropy, right? It says that it's a really a very selfish thing. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> so tell me how you, how can we, how can every person, especially now when I think sometimes people are feeling a little bit um, I don't want to say stingy, but a little bit protective of our wealth when maybe we're not working as much as we normally work. Maybe we have had some really scary shifts to our lives. How can we feel good and how can we make philanthropy part of our daily life? Yeah, it, you know, Chris, that is an excellent question. And as I just said, philanthropy is the love of humankind. And when we look at this pandemic where people are losing their jobs, the economy is crashing, the healthcare system, our education system, there is loss everywhere and people want to help be there for others. So when we look at taking back philanthropy and including it in our lives during this challenging time, it may look a lot different than it did last year or even a couple months ago at the beginning of the year, Chris. So when I look at how do you include philanthropy in your life right now, it could be just calling some of the local people who are lonely, um, waving at nursing homes to people for social distancing. It could be getting groceries for a neighbor who can't get out of the house and is still having challenges uh, getting basic food. So philanthropy looks different now than it did a while ago, but there's still the opportunity for people to not only give their time, but to give money as well. You know, one of the things that I that occurred to me once things started to close and, and I was afraid, like some of these, you know, 
restaurants and theaters and you know organizations and stuff that I really love that can't open right now, how are they going to survive? How are how can I make sure that those are going to be there when when this all is over and we're able to go out again? So I've been buying gift cards and you know trying to just make sure that I'm you know renewing memberships and and trying to do whatever I can to put something into their pockets so that they can continue to exist right i mean to make what do i want the world to look like when it when this is over you know i, I really want these organizations to still be around yeah and some will be and some won't be just like the restaurants and small businesses nonprofits as well are going to have uh, some kind of reckoning where they're large and more financially stable than other smaller nonprofits. But I just love the fact, Chris, that you're buying those gift cards and, you know, supporting memberships and nonprofits because they really need help now. All the organizations do. And I really encourage people that when they're giving now, not necessarily to give to a specific program, which most people like to know. I'm giving my money and it's going to focus on X, you know, educating young children for art projects with a nonprofit. But in reality, during these challenging times, it's real critical to just provide operating support so they can keep the doors open and the lights on and actually pay their, their staff to continue to work and do the good work. So I really applaud you for continuing to give and uh, one of the things I help clients through is that due diligence process, particularly during these challenging times, is how do we make sure we're supporting an organization that's fiscally sound, they're doing the actual work they say they're going to do, and you can feel good about your gift knowing that it will make a difference in the world. Yeah, that's key. I think, I and mean, I guess we are all familiar with you know, the Bill Gates level of philanthropy, right? Where we're just like, oh, I just need to get rid of this money. It's accumulating way too fast. How can I get rid of it? Yeah, boy, what a pressure. <laughs> but, but how can we, you know, in, in a small way, in, you know, make sure that every day or that we're intentionally thinking about, you know, I mean, whether it's a tithe, you know, whether you're just going to take 10% of your income. And what do you recommend, actually? What do you recommend that people, like a regular, you know, person on the street, what do you recommend that they try to, allocate for some type of uh, philanthropy? Wow, that is such a general, broad question that has <laughs> an, no way I could possibly answer it because there's so many variables. You know, uh, let me first start with, everyone has unique challenges when it comes to giving. Most people think, oh, it's only for millionaires and billionaires. Other people think, I can't possibly do that. I have a sick parent, uh, special needs children. I have too many other places to give. My favorite one in the trust and investment world when I was there was charity begins at home. And they're absolutely <laughs> right. Give it to me. Uh, yeah. Charity does begin at home and it doesn't end there. And there's shifting that mindset and showing people how they can actually give in a more effective way 
at their level is what I love to do. And I just love to teach them little tricks because many times their advisor is advising them specifically on their taxes or their financial situation, their retirement, their estate plan, but no one kind of brings it all together with the comprehensive philanthropic planning. And when you layer that over the personal and financial issues, you can really have the best outcomes because philanthropy helps with personal, financial problems where you layer on this benefit of making a difference in the world as well. So it's, it's a comprehensive package. And in my program, I really talk about each of the different types of gifts one can make and the pros and cons of each of those gifts. And that way, together, they can make an informed decision with their advisor. A benefit that I think people might forget when you say like charity begins at home, how when you bring your family, your children, you know, your nieces and nephews or whoever and into this decision-making process of, you know, okay, family, we have this money and we're going to donate it. And how do we make those decisions? I mean, I would think that that would be a great benefit for that, for those people as well, for the younger, the younger generation. Yes. You know, philanthropy is an amazing way to integrate your values and your life lessons with multiple generations in the family. And in my book, Give to Live, Make a Charitable Gift Now, it's broken up in a really manageable way. Like, I'm single. You could go to a chapter on single. Multi-generational. You could go to the chapter on multi-generational. And it shares uh, stories and ways you can engage kids from the age of like two years old and up on how to give back. And here's an example. I'm going to share this story with you. And it's my own. It's my, 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 what I started with my two daughters. Excellent. Who are now in college. But when they were young, they're 16 months apart. And so before any major holiday or their birthday, I would pull out a brown paper shopping bag and require them to fill it up with toys and clothes to make room for new clothes and toys and to give to people less fortunate. Now I can assure you, Chris, when they were young, it would take a month. Why? I would hold up one item, do you want this? And one would say yes, and the other would say no, it couldn't go in the bag. <laughs> but over the years, that one month turned into, now there's just a pile by the garage door that always goes out to Goodwill or to donation, because I ingrained in them that you have so much abundance, you can give to others before you get more. And from that donating of clothes, when they got into middle school or high school, they would ask their friends, instead of a birthday present, would you please make a donation to the animal shelter? And then it became, let's do a project together and you know, clean up this strip along the road and 
pick up garbage. So it's really developed their awareness of the needs in the community and many ways for them to give back. And there are a lot of other great tips in my book on how to engage those multi-generations in giving. And it can start as early as two. It's fantastic. I definitely have to get your book. You know, you raise a different type of person, right? You, when, you, when you raise a child who's thinking about um, the, the community, who thinks about others and what other people might need and who's aware of the fact that not everyone has what they have, you know, you raise a child who has gratitude and who has some social awareness. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. So how do you help people to decide? I mean, is there, to me, when I think about where I want to give, I do think about the kind of community that I want to create. What, what I want to have around me. I mean, but I know it, when you're a person uh, that there are ways to do that, like you say, that have to do with estate planning, that have to do with um, the bigger picture. You know, maybe you can leave more to your family because you've made this charitable donation that you now are not going to get things all kind of whipped up in taxes and stuff like that. So were you always the type of person who was philanthropic and were you always trying to look for ways to give and to be part of, you know, part of the solution? <laughs> you know, I grew up in a family where I learned philanthropy at the kitchen table and my father was the businessman and always giving anonymously because the, the project was much more important than having his name on it. And as my parents got older, my mom always gave with her name because she thought it was important people knew that even she and my dad could afford to give. So I kind of took a right turn and went straight to Wall Street and worked in the trust and investment world for 20 years, helping people grow their money and preserve their money. And it wasn't until I had two daughters um, got tired of the BS on Wall Street, you know, <laughs> sexual harassment, the glass ceiling, wage discrimination, <laughs> but who's counting, right? <laughs> and I thought, I really need to lead by example for my daughters so they know they can have a job they love and make a difference. So when I moved out to Oregon from the East Coast, I saw a career coach, Chris. And I was shocked because everything came up, philanthropy, <laughs> benevolence. And you said, that's not Wall Street. <laughs> no, I said, how do you make money at that? <laughs> right, right, absolutely. <laughs> how do you make money giving money away? I don't understand that. <laughs> right. So I went back into the trust world for a little bit. And then I found a position with the Oregon Community Foundation, which happens to be the sixth largest community foundation at the time and they could pay me well and I got to work with all my advisors that I knew from the trust and investment world but I got to help them help their clients make a difference neutral charity mm. call Arlene I brought in over 90 million dollars in nine years and brought in 30 to 40% of all giving statewide, helping people integrate philanthropy into their personal and financial plans to have effective and fulfilling outcome. It was a dream. 
Wow. And, and it was too limited because it was just focused on Oregon and I wanted to change the world. So no, I didn't come to philanthropy naturally, but now that I'm here, it is extremely rewarding to pull in the investment and financial planning knowledge with the personal goals and integrate philanthropy. It's the most rewarding job I could have. And, you know, being an independent person, I make more money than working for a nonprofit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> wow. That's, that's amazing. It's funny how sometimes later in life we, you know, we realize that all roads have actually led us to this place that we didn't even know existed. Like you say, how do you make money doing that? You know, maybe I would have come there first, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you know, Chris, you're a realtor and I, I actually have a program that I teach realtors about donating real estate into a charitable trust so they don't have to worry about managing property anymore. They can get a tax deduction. They could have an income stream for retirement. There's a whole lot of things that you can do with real estate and philanthropy that people are unaware of. And they can be really effective ways to get rid of a piece of property and a tax deduction at the same time while <laughs> making a charitable gift you never imagined. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because we do have, you know, I mean, so often something, you know, we, we sometimes deal with folks, someone has passed away, there was a whole probate situation, they weren't prepared, you know, like you're talking about trusts and ways to make sure that you're dying intentionally, I guess you could say that you've got things, you've got everything taken care of ahead of time. And when they don't, I mean, it can just be a disaster. And even if it goes well, people are sometimes stuck with this, you know, you hate to say stuck, but they have inherited this property. They might not live locally. They might not want to manage it. They just don't know what in the world to do with it. And something like what you're talking about, I mean, donating it to, to some type of organization that could then, it, it, that could be a, a, you know, a game changer for a company that, or for an organization, gifting them a piece of property. I guess it wasn't really a question there, was there? <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know, you can donate properly, property directly to an organization, which is lovely. And or you could donate it to a charitable trust where you can oversee the sale of the property and then you can get an income stream off of that once the property is converted to other assets. You can get an income stream off of the proceeds of that. And then when you die or your child dies or that loved one dies, then it goes to charity. So there are different ways to do it either during your life or at death and have benefits where you get an income stream or you just get a tax deduction or you get both. There's so many opportunities out there. Wow. And I just found having sat on both sides of the table the advisor side and the nonprofit side, that there was a lack of communication mm -hmm. and understanding of what's possible. Yeah. And what my book does, for those who like to see the... Yeah, <laughs> I, love the, I love the graphic. A, thank you. It 
it really teaches you, it breaks giving down into bite-sized pieces. And then it also has personal reflection areas in the book so people can start to draft their values and who do they want involved in their giving and what type of organizations do you want to support? So it starts that brain thinking in new ways of what's possible and gives people opportunity to make gifts. Otherwise, you know, right now during this time, let's be honest, most people don't think they can make a gift because we're in a horrible crisis. And while that may be true, um, it's also true that most people make the largest gift of their life through their estate plan when they're no longer here. Right. And when we, when we look at that, you know, there's a huge potential. I think, you know, people make annual gifts all the time. Is there one particular organi organization, Chris, that you give to annually? That, name there, one. Oh, well, um, so the Arts Emerson and the Coolidge Corner Theater. It's mostly arts organizations for me. I love the arts. And so I'm, I give a lot to different arts organizations. Fabulous. So I love teaching people this uh, formula. And you're going to love this formula too, Chris. I can just tell. Let's say you, you give that organization $100 a year or $10 a year or $1,000 a year. What you do is you take that annual gift and multiply it by 20. So if it's a $100 gift, you can make a $2,000 bequest in your will to that organization to endow your gift. And an endowed gift is the long-term money for an organization to support itself. And when managed properly, that $2,000 gift equates to a 5% payout, which equates to that $100. So when you die, you leave them $2,000, they will have that $100 in perpetuity the rest of the organization's life. Wow. Isn't that easy? Now, now I'm going to take, take it another step further for you, because if you have a bequest, you have to see an attorney and write a will. And you know what? That's going to cost you money. <laughs> so let's figure out a way that we can avoid paying an attorney. <laughs> Not that you shouldn't go to an attorney because they help in many ways with estate planning. But for those of us who might not have the means right now, Instead of making a bequest, what you can do is fill out a beneficiary designation on a retirement or pension mm -hmm. account. And what happens is when you put that $2,000 beneficiary designation to the arts organization, you don't have to see an attorney because your bank or your brokerage or your company, if your retirement plans with your company, they have the forms, they're probably online. You can fill them out and send it in so you avoid the cost of an attorney. And if you change your mind, you can change the form. It's that easy. Wow. And, the, and giving through a retirement account is actually the most tax advantage way to give because retirement accounts are 
when the distribution goes out to a family member or even yourself, it's taxed as ordinary income. Yeah. So if you leave a beneficiary designation to your kid, they're paying taxes on that as income. If you leave that beneficiary designation to charity, it's 100% theirs. They don't have to pay taxes. Wow. So now I've just taught you and your audience how to make a charitable gift you never imagined. Absolutely. How cool is that? It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And it, and it, like you say, I mean, it, there's, you know, obviously you want to, you know, get in touch with an attorney when you're doing your whole estate planning and stuff like that. But if you can save money today and not have to do that and still get what you want, every, you know, all settled and ready to go for, for when you eventually do pass, I mean, that's more money that you can give today, right? It's more money that you can have to enjoy or share today. Yeah, it's a simple way. You don't have to pay anyone. You could go online. You could call your, your administrator, fill out the forms, and leave a beneficiary designation to charity and make a charitable gift you never imagined. It's a very simple formula. I love sharing it. When yeah. I share that with nonprofit boards, the development officer goes around and talks to all the board members saying, have you left us? In your <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely. You know, one, another thing I was thinking uh, for myself is to create like a, some type of a fund where I put X amount away and then the, the, the proceeds from that fund would allow, that would be my charitable giving fund for the year. Is that something that's easy to do? Do people do that? Or is that something I dreamt up? No, that's a fabulous, that's actually my, one of my most favorite vehicles for giving. It's called a donor advised fund. Uh -huh. And donor advised funds can be found at community foundations. Uh, they can also be found at like Schwab and Fidelity and all the big places that have charitable funds now. And donor advised funds are a mini private foundation. You have all the fun of philanthropy. You have all the benefits of a higher tax deduction as a public nonprofit versus a private foundation. And you have none of the administrative headache oversight of managing the money, doing the due diligence, making the, the organization does it all for you. And depending on where you have it, there are different minimums and there are different uh, parameters on how many family members can be involved in how many generations. So for example, um, when my mother about nine years ago got pancreatic cancer and passed away. Sorry. Thank you. It, um, and she was a remarkable woman who taught me a lot of those values and life lessons that I've taught my girls. Yeah. And with pancreatic cancer, we had seven months to be with her. And we had some of the most heartfelt uh, discussions ever during that time. And yeah. one time when I visited her, she said, she asked me, what are you going to do with the money? <laughs> Bubby, she called me Bubby. Bubby, what are you going to do with the money? I mean, Mom, do you mean the inheritance? The money, honey, the money. 
she asked me, it, did, it, it came out of my mouth. I didn't hesitate. We're going to take the family to Israel because we're Jewish and my, no one had been before and it was important to my mom. Yeah. We're going to create a donor-advised fund at the community foundation where I was working and the rest will go to the girls' college education. Nice. So we took the family to Israel, fabulous time. And we're still paying for college now. <laughs> <laughs> but the donor advised fund brought our family together in a new way. I mean, they were 14 at the time. Now they're, you know, 14, 15. Now they're 21, 22. Yeah. And we're deciding how to invest the funds. Because like you said, there's a corpus and you pay, there's a distribution, an annual distribution, for lack of a better word, interest. It might be four or five percent. Yeah. And you, we have the main investment pool and the socially responsible pool to invest in. And my youngest daughter goes, well, we're going to invest in the socially responsible pool, of course. Like my husband and I are like, wow, we've raised such weird kids. Then we're making our first grant, and I'm not sure about schools where you are, but in Oregon, every school has a foundation and asks for an annual contribution to the foundation for full-time teachers and activities. So we're about to make our first grant distribution from our fund, and we're going to give to the high school. And my oldest daughter says, why the heck would we give to Lincoln? They're the wealthiest school in our district. <laughs> we're like, Oh my God, we've raised, so we gave to both, right? And each year we have this thoughtful discussion about our core giving and then what's happening currently that we want to focus on now. And the conversations we have and how they come to giving or share organizations with us, it is amazing to see the young women they've grown into yeah. with this oversight of philanthropy and generosity and gratitude that, you know, I, I never imagined I'd raise such perfect children. Wow. <laughs> no, it's, but it's true, right? When you can get people thinking about something other than themselves and, you know, and, and I would think it would have a lot to help them with self-confidence as well, right? Because otherwise we just get too much in our own heads. When you start to look outside into the world, you just, you've, you've done an amazing thing. Done an yeah. amazing thing with them. And it, you know, and we created that fund uh, eight, seven, eight years ago, nine years ago. And the corpus is still the same. And every year we're granting out to organizations. And here's an interesting growth with my children. They, they both ask, you know, mom, dad, we have all this money sitting in this fund and people need it now. Because it's a permanent fund, we've actually asked the board of the community foundation if they will unrestrict it so we can make more grant making because the need is so great. Wow. That came from them, not from me. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh man. Do you have any kids? I do not. I don't. I had to have my nephew, you know, he's not mine. I don't get to influence him all the time, but I do definitely see the value of, you know, trying to get him to understand all that he has and how he can share that with the world and, you know, just to be a better citizen, you know? Yeah. 
And, you know, a lot of people that I've worked with where they don't have kids, getting those nieces and nephews involved in philanthropy builds closer relationships with them yeah. as well. So it's, it's not just for your own kids. It's for everyone. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so glad we had a chance to talk today. It's been great meeting you and talking to you. Is what what else? I mean, is there something I should have asked you to about or or um is there anything else you want to share that I that I failed to ask or Well, you know, we could have this conversation all day. Um <laughs> what I'd love to share though is for any of your listeners on my Facebook group, I have a private Facebook group that gives away a lots of freebies for people to help educate them. Great. Um, and so anyone who wants to participate, the Facebook page is Give to Live Now. No spaces. Give to <laughs> Facebook group, Give to Live Now. <laughs> and I'm offering a personal reflection guide. And this is the first step when I'm working with clients directly or in my group programs is to really identify what matters to you. Where have you given time, talent, and why? So you can really start to see what molds you. And then on the back, it kind of discusses a little bit about rating your giving. Um, on a scale of one to 10, do you feel like 10 is a Bill Gates and, you know, Warren Buffett, or are you a one like, I haven't addressed this at all. Uh, so rate it and then let's figure out your opit. As you said, what do you want to create? We do vision boards. We, we go through, I'm going to go to my back here. I have a deck of values cards when working with clients and these values cards or a way for people to identify the, the core things that resonate with them and acceptance, okay, yeah. determination. So there's all kinds of tools I have. I'm trying to get this into a worksheet more, but that hasn't been great <laughs> yet. Um, but I do have these cards to work with people. I explain all that jargon. There's free stuff to what is a grantor, trustor, testator? Well, they're all the same right, thing. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so much legal jargon, it just gets, gives people like, it's like a barrier. People just don't want to try to wade through it all. Yeah, so if they join, come in, I'm happy to invite them to my Facebook group, Give to Live Now, and they can get all kinds of free resources to help them start creating their philanthropic plan and vision. Thank you very much. That's going to be great. I'm definitely going to get one of those and be more intentional about my giving instead of just like, you know, when someone calls or knocks on the door and says, oh, you know, <laughs> try to guilt you into donating to their cause. <laughs> you know, that, that goes both ways, right? You, you have to have some, uh -oh. you know, think of how many times you've had, I'm doing this committee for the arts. Will you come by and be at, be at my table? You've done it. So there's a certain amount of yeah of gratis but then when you align your values with your giving it just feels that much better and that's what i hope to do is help people solve personal and financial problems while making a difference in the world community and causes they care about beautiful that's fantastic vision fantastic um 
I don't know. I'm searching for words today. I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah, fantastic. You know, um, thank you. Blueprint for your life. Now, yeah. what's the best way, Arlene, for people to get in touch with you? Do you work with individuals or just with larger corporations? What's your who are your clients in general? Yeah, so I work directly with individuals. I have group programs for individuals. I do have a number of, you know, uh, of banks and some investment firms that have me come in and work with their clients. Mm -hmm. And I also help train their staff on how to have those deeper conversations. So I, I work a lot of different ways, but it's all around giving and helping people self-actualize and find purpose and meaning. Beautiful. What a calling, right? Does it feel like it's a calling to you? It seems like yeah, at, at this time, I mean, 10 years ago was, well, maybe it's more than that. 15 years ago when I was on Wall Street, I was having fun, but that wasn't a calling. <laughs> this is definitely a passion of purpose. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, thank you very, very much for being here. I hope you enjoy yeah, it, it as much as I did. <laughs> I'm sure your audience will. and. New website is going to logan.com and you can sign up to get occasional e-blasts. I do not overwhelm people with that because I hate that stuff. Um, but I'd love to hear from and help any of your colleagues or friends or viewers with their philanthropic plan. Perfect. And I will put a link to your website and, and your Facebook page and any other, you know, like a link to buy their book. Is it best for them to buy it from Amazon or? or um... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll put a link to that as well on the website for the podcast, which is getyourfillpodcast.com. You know, people are listening on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever. They can just take a minute, pop it into the podcast and you'll see there'll be you, there'll be the links, there'll be the video, there'll be all kinds of great resources. So um, one last question, totally, uh, you know, left field. What is your, do you have a favorite book or a favorite podcast or uh, way of learning that you want to share with folks? Wow. A favorite way, a favorite podcast. Well, I am a podcast junkie. My, the one I really enjoy, there's two I enjoy right now is one is Brene Brown's new podcast. And of course I'm spacing on the name of it. And the other one is this really cool one, Mind Valley, which is really about mindset shift and positive thinking and aligning yourself. But yeah, I, don't know, I am a lifelong learner. It's one of the important lessons that my mother taught me, always be learning. Yeah. And however people learn, embrace it and learn, 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 learn. <laughs> I, amen. I 100% agree with that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Arlene, for being here. And thank you for listening. Be sure to be here next week. Well, first of all, be sure to click subscribe and answer the questions and win a whole shit ton of stuff, right? And then be sure to be here next week because we have Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy had, is a tennis player who used his tennis match approach to create 
a cool way for you to discover your two-word purpose statement. And if you want to sort of do your homework in advance for Kevin McCarthy, you can go to on-purpose.com and figure out your two-word statement. And then when you, t- when you hear from him, it's going to have a lot more value. And in the meantime, go to getyourfillpodcast.com where you can see all the links to things that, that Arlene and I talked about today. And you can enter the contest to win something cool and exciting that we're giving away to celebrate 52 episodes. So thanks very much. Have a fantastic week. And we'll see you next week with Kevin McCarthy. 